to start over here. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we pledge allegiance to not only our flag, but our nation. <coughs> I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I'm going to ask you to remain standing. I know it's not indicated in the in the bulletin, but it is a marching song, and I don't know how we can sing a marching song sitting down. Hymn number 522. <coughs> We're going to sing the first three stanzas with a marching tempo. Then on the fourth stand, we're going to slow the tempo down just a bit. So just watch the timing and, and we'll do that together. 522. <coughs> <coughs> Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the river, the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible court. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Oh. 
you. And now before you sit down, turn around and make someone welcome. All right, I'm going to ask you if you could remain standing while we continue to worship the Lord today. So.
repeat. Let's start at verse 3 on this one. Thursday morning. Uh, please continue to pray for Marlene and family members. Uh, there will be a private service uh, just for the family uh, this Tuesday, but then on July the 15th, that's a Friday evening at 7 o'clock, uh, there will be a memorial service uh, for all of you. You're all invited, so uh, please keep that uh, day in mind. Friday, uh, July the 15th. Uh, starting at 7 o'clock. There will be a time of visitation from 6 to 7, uh, so keep uh, that in mind. Also this past Thursday morning, uh, there was a birth uh, in our church. Uh, Miranda Coleman had a little boy. His name is Wyatt. And uh, as you know, Miranda and Ryan Coleman, who live across from the parsonage, uh, they have a little girl named Quinn, and uh, they had some complications. Miranda did with uh, the birth of Quinn. Well, she had those same complications, and so they had to bring little Wyatt uh, into the world on Thursday morning. They're both doing well. Uh, hopefully, uh, she can return home. She's not home yet, but uh, Ryan texted me yesterday and said hopefully she can come home uh, tomorrow. Little Wyatt is only uh, 3 pounds and 12 ounces and uh, 15 and a half inches long. Um, so he's a little bit bigger than Quinn was, if you recall, uh, a couple years ago, uh, but both are doing well, and so pray for that family. Uh, the little boy certainly will be in the hospital uh, probably for a number of weeks um, before he gains enough weight to be able to uh, get home. 
so keep those uh, items in prayer. Let's come before the Lord this morning. Father, this morning we are thankful that you are a wonderful and amazing God. That for God you do things right and according to your will. And everything, Lord, is according to your timing. Father, we pray for great comfort and grace to rest upon the Miller family. Father, we know how important Gene was to the life of this church. A great pillar, a great man of God. Father, what a man of many gifts. And we thank you, Lord, as we think upon a so many memories that we have of Jean. Father, I pray for Marlene. Give grace and strength. Pray for family members, Lord, that you might, as the God of all comfort, grant peace uh, during this time of great loss. Father, we're thankful for the birth of Wyatt, this little boy, Lord, who came into the world, yes, premature, but again, Lord, things are in your hands. And we're thankful that, uh, Father, he and his mother are doing well. Uh, We pray that they would continue uh, to do well and that Miranda would be able to get home tomorrow and pray that Wyatt, too, would gain weight. We're thankful, Lord, that he's uh, actually drinking from a bottle. And, Father, we pray that very soon he would be able to come to his new home. And so we pray for this family, Lord. They have been such a part of us. Um, for just a short time, and yet now they become members, Ryan and Miranda, and Father, we just thank you uh, for them, and Father, we, we pray for them that, that all would go very, very well. Father, we thank you, too, for your son. Father, we come today to celebrate the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Father, we come We will come in just a few moments around this table. We'll partake of these elements. And we're thankful, Father, for this time of communion, this time of remembrance, this time, Lord, when we think back to that historical event when Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was buried and rose the third day according to the Scriptures. Father, that's the gospel. Paul says, in a nutshell, this is good news. And we thank you, Lord, that through this, we have eternal life. By putting faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, we are given life eternal. What a blessing it is. And Father, as we think about those who have gone on before us, such as Gene, Lord, we know that to be absent from this body is to be in your presence. We thank you for that life, that eternal life. Lord, the great assurance that you've given to us and the guarantees that because Christ lives, we will live also. I thank you for our time this morning. Father, remove the distractions. We know, Lord, the evil one is present and certainly would not want for us to proclaim the name of Jesus with boldness, So remove the distractions. Father, may the things outside these walls stay there. Father, we've come to worship. We've come to worship you in spirit and in truth. 
And we pray, Lord, that you might, as you look down upon us, you might be honored and might be glorified in all that we do and say. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom and Jean are going to come and minister to us at this time. begin this morning with a historical fact. Christ is risen. 
He is risen indeed. You know, Paul says if Christ was not alive, that preaching is useless. And not only that, but your faith is useless. You see, our hope is based on this historical fact, that Christ is alive, that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that on the third day he rose again. You all know the story. Let's look at it from Mark's perspective. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, the last chapter of his book. And let's look at the resurrection account. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, they brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Years ago on TV, there was a show that was called Kids Say the Darndest Things. And it was with Art Linkletter. And he asked the children uh, to describe their favorite Bible story. And one little boy, he decided to describe the story of Jesus and his resurrection. And this is what he said. Well, you see, there was a man named Jesus, and he was God's son. But the people, they got really mad at him. And so the people arrested Jesus and crucified him on a cross. When he was dead, they took him off the cross, put him in a grave guarded by army men. He was dead in there for three days when all of a sudden he was resurrected. Now I imagine up to that point in his story, his parents must have been quite proud. He did have all the theological terms correct, but he didn't stop there. He went on to say this. He went on to say that when Jesus was resurrected, he came out of the tomb. And then Jesus saw his shadow and had to go back in. Well, not exactly what we read in the book of Mark. The resurrection, as someone said, is the single most important event in world history. The resurrection 
is the single most important event in world history. If there were no resurrection, the cross would be meaningless. The resurrection proves that Jesus was who he said he was and that all the things that he said and did were true. The resurrection, the single most important event in world history. And on this day, we read in Mark's gospel, some very brave women decided very early in the morning who most likely stood there at the very cross, at the crucifixion. They watched and witnessed the death of Jesus. They went very early in the morning before the sun came up and they go to the tomb. I want this morning to look at six points of arrival. What did they see? What did they hear? What did they do when they arrived at that tomb? First of all, they arrived with a purpose. They arrived with a purpose. You see, there was unfinished business to take care of. So they brought spices in order to anoint the body. They loved Jesus. They cared for Jesus. They were with Jesus through his earthly life. And now they want to give Jesus a proper burial. The Sabbath had delayed that. The Sabbath had delayed an anointing. And so they brought their spices and their ointments and perfumes to anoint the body of Jesus. You know, the cross was the cruelest punishment known to man. The cross. It wasn't just any death. It was not lethal injection. It was not the electric chair. It was not hanging. Jesus was literally nailed to a cross and hanging and hung until literally suffocated without strength to pull himself up to catch that next breath. And the women watched Jesus as he died. And they wanted to care for his body. So they came with a purpose. Unfinished business. They came with spices to anoint his body. But they came early. It says in verse 2, they left before the sun came up. I can only imagine the, the sleepless nights following the crucifixion. I can only imagine what they must have thought. Life would be like without Jesus. And so they were determined, determined to get the task done. So they get up very early in the morning on the first day of the week. You know, eight times in the Bible we read that phrase, first day of the week. Six times in the Gospels and two other times in the Bible. The first day of the week. You see, up to the crucifixion, there was no biblical authority to observe Sunday as the day of rest and worship. It was Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath. But now, it's the first day of the week. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, we read, It was on the first day of the week that we came together to break bread. Why do we come on Sunday? to worship. Why is it Sunday that we come around the Lord's table? Because of the resurrection. We come to celebrate that Jesus 
is alive. They came early, but they also came expecting. What would you have expected had you been in their shoes? As you came to a tomb, blocked by a stone, after observing and witnessing the crucifixion, what would you expect? What do you expect when you go to a cemetery? You know, every once in a while, if I'm in Millersburg and I have extra time, I'll, I'll drive through Oak Hill Cemetery. That's where my parents and my wife's parents and grandparents and aunts, and they're all buried at Oak Hill. And someday, uh, right across from my mom and dad on the other side of the stone, uh, my wife and I, we will be there with them. But what do you expect when you go to a cemetery? When I stand there at that stone, I, I, I think about dad and, you know, the days we would play tennis together. Or mom, I would see mom as I would walk into the little Cape Cod house that we used to live in. And as you come into the front door, right on the right, there was her, her chair. And I'd walk in the front door, and there she'd be sitting with a sheet of paper with items that she was praying for. I go to my grandfather's tomb, and I remember those early days when I was just young, and Grandpa and I would go fishing. He would pull, and I would row, and somehow we would make it across the river in this little 10-foot rowboat. When you go to a grave, you're filled with emotions, are you not? So many memories begin to flood through your mind. Here are these brave ladies getting up very, very early in the morning. What do they expect? Well, what they did not expect is a resurrection. As a matter of fact, as they start out, they start a conversation with each other. And the conversation begins to land on this stone that was in front of the tomb. How are we going to roll this thing away? Or who might help us roll this stone away? You know, they were surprised to find what they found. You see, they shouldn't have been. Because Jesus already told them back in Mark chapter 14 and verse 28... Uh, let me just read to you what it says. It says, and these are Jesus' words. He said, after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. You see, Jesus always, already was telling his disciples that there's going to be a resurrection. But this is the last thing on their mind. They were expecting a sealed tomb. Even though Jesus clearly told them but maybe we can't blame them too much. Dead people, they just don't come back to life. And so the conversation is on the stone. Who will move this stone? This stone that has been rolled into the entrance of the tomb. Certainly for them it would be too heavy. There's a stone that was circular and rolled downhill and blocked the entrance. It would take a lot, much more than three ladies, to be able to roll that away. But what they expected is not what they found. Point number four, they arrived at amazement. They arrived at amazement. 
when they got there, the stone was rolled away. And as someone said, not to let Jesus out, but to let the women in. Listen, no stone could hold our Lord. There's no stone that could keep Jesus in the tomb. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. And there were angel, was an angel, it says here. Elsewhere it speaks of two. Uh, but and angels, they usually look like people when they appear to human beings. And there was this angel who was sitting there at the right side. The ladies are amazed. They're alarmed as they entered. Startled to see an angelic presence with dazzling, dazzling glory. And this angel had a simple message as the messenger of God. It was a life-changing message for these ladies. Which brings us to point number five. They arrived at a revelation. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Notice the two words in verse 6. Crucified, risen. Crucified, risen. The NIV Study Bible says this. The climax of Mark's gospel is the resurrection, without which Jesus' death would be indescribably tragic. A tragic death apart from the resurrection. A cruel death. You know, this is the gospel in verse 6. Crucified, yet risen. Crucified, and yet risen. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul clearly states the gospel in the opening verses of this resurrection chapter. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1, we read, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. They've heard it before, but you know sometimes we just need to be reminded about certain things. Paul says, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preach to you, which you have received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, this good news, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received... I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and that he rose was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. By this gospel, by this good news, what good news? The good news that Jesus died for our sins you know, the greatest need of mankind is to have his sins forgiven. The greatest need in the world today is that mankind, his sins might be forgiven. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. For the Bible said he had no sin. He knew no sin. But he stood in our place. He died where we should have died. He was buried. And rose the third day, proving that Jesus was who he said he was, and what he did is true. You see the importance of the resurrection to prove 
who Jesus was and that all that he said was absolutely true. It's this gospel that saves. The Bible says believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You trust in Christ, trusting that he died for your sins, trusting and believing that he was buried, trusting and believing that he rose from the dead the third day. That's the good news. That's the gospel that saves mankind. They came to the tomb, and they received a new revelation. They heard Jesus is alive indeed. And then finally, they arrived at a new hope. They arrived at a new hope. Again, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in that resurrection chapter, it speaks about Jesus as being the first fruits, the first one to come back from the dead, the first one to appear in an imperishable body, the first one to be raised in glory, the first one to be raised in power, and never, never again to die. Now what it means when it says Jesus is the first fruits is that there's a second and a third and a fourth and so on. You see, because Jesus lives, the Bible says we will live also. So all the redeemed in the world will live because Jesus is the first fruits and it guarantees our hope and our eternal life. Christ's resurrection guarantees the resurrection of all Christians. It opens a way for hope. It opens a way for a new life. And these women, brave women, going early that morning, expecting to find a, a, a tomb that's still sealed, they walk away from that tomb with hope, new hope. I was reading a sermon of a pastor who said in his sermon that after funerals at the gravesite, when he walks away, he looks back and he looks at all of those tombstones and he says this, death you do not have the final word. John, remember that. Death, you do not have the final word. You see, when Jesus came back to life, he took the stinger out of death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? You see, death does not have the final word. Because the Bible says, because Jesus lives... We live also. Death is not permanent. With the resurrection, the stinger has been removed. That's the hope that the ladies found that day at the tomb. And that's the hope that the Bible records for us. That because Jesus Christ lives today, 
We as the redeemed, we as the saints of God, we as those who have put our faith in Christ, we will live also. God has given to us a life that is eternal. There's a song I'd like to sing, and we're going to sing it a cappella. We all know it, so it's not going to be very difficult, but we're going to have it on the screen. And I'm going to ask you to stand. Why don't you stand with me just before we go into our time of communion. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Now, we know the chorus. I hope we know the stanza. I think we do. God sent his son. Is that what you see? All right, let's try it together. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know Just because he lives. And then one day I'll cross the river. I'll fight life's fight, no war with pain. And then as death is way to victory. I'll see the lights of glory, and I'll know he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living because he lives. Thank you. You may be seated. Communion is a time in which we remember. We remember Jesus. We remember his person. We remember his life. We remember the finished work there on Calvary's cross. It's a time in which we need to be reminded. Paul had to remind the church in Corinth of the gospel. And so we being a forgetful people, uh, at times we need to be reminded. And this is a tangible way to do that. In just a few moments, the men will 
be passing the plates. One plate has bread cubes. Uh, these cubes represent and are symbolic of the uh, body of Jesus Christ. We also have cups filled with grape juice. Uh, these represent the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed uh, so that we might be forgiven of our sins. I'm going to ask that as the plates are being passed, that you might hold these elements until everyone's been served, and when the men then join me again at the front of the church, uh, we'll eat and we'll drink and we'll do it together. This is a time in which the redeemed of God, we come together to celebrate, to celebrate all that Jesus has done for us. It is by the grace of God that we are who we are. God has saved us by his grace and through faith, and we'll never boast that we have done a thing. And so we come to celebrate the great work of Jesus, the work that gives to us life and life eternal. So, I'm going to ask if you men would join me here at the front of the church, and we'll proceed. The first plate that will be passed will be the bread. Uh, the bread does represent the body of Jesus, the body that uh, hung on that cross, that went through all those, those moments uh, of, of pain and suffering. And yet Jesus, the Bible says, he, he willingly laid down his life on behalf of us. Father, we are thankful once again for the body of Jesus and, Father, for his wonderful sacrifice. Father, the sacrifice of, of dying and shedding his blood. Father, we come before you this morning with, with grateful hearts to think that, Father, while we were yet sinners, uh, you demonstrated this wonderful love for us. And so we're thankful, Lord, for that body of Jesus that was willing to lay it down on behalf of, of, of all sinners. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Let's remember the body of Jesus as we eat together. The cup represents the blood of Jesus. The blood, the Bible says, that cleanses us from all sin. Father, we are thankful for that blood. The blood that was shed for the remission of sins. A blood, Lord, unlike the blood of the Old Testament and bulls and goats. This blood, Lord, washed us completely clean and erased the slate of sin. And for that, Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Because he
as Jesus was reclining at the table, he looked at his disciples and said, drink and drink all of it. Let's drink together. Father, now we turn from this place and we go to our respective homes. Father, as we do, I pray that you would continue to bring to our remembrance, Lord, what we've heard here this morning. Lord, death does not have the final word. But because Jesus lives, we will live also. Father, we thank you for that hope that you've given to us, that assurance, the guarantees that, Father, we have been given life eternal. Thank you, Father, for providing for us such a wonderful plan of salvation, free for us, but costly to yourself. So as we go from here, Lord, help us to serve our risen Savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As the men are making their way to the pews, we're going to sing that song. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Hymn number 158. Hymn number 158. We'll sing all three stanzas. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Let's stand together. We'll sing and be dismissed. I serve a risen Savior, He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy, hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me the long life's narrow way. He lives, lives, salvation to impart. You ask me, I know he, <coughs> he lives within my heart. In all the world around me, I see loving care and though my heart <coughs> I know that he is leading all the stormy blast the day of his appearing will come at last he lives Christ Jesus lives today <coughs> with Along life's narrow way, he lives. 
rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing. Turn, O hallelujahs, Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek Him, help of all who find. There is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me <clears throat> long life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, <coughs> you ask me how I know. Father, we thank you for that assurance, the fact that he lives within us. The Holy Spirit has come to take residence within us. Father, we thank you for that. And so as we go from here, Lord, help us to serve. Help us to serve. But certainly, Father, you are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.